the best content that you can create is valuable and fun in and of itself and has very little to do with the company or the products. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this e-commerce marketing focus podcast. If you're not familiar with our format, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method, could be email or SEO or Facebook ads. And each week I interview a different expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you and your business. This month we're getting into organic social media, that tricky, gnarly set of channels that you feel like you should be doing, but you can't really work out whether or not it's worth it. So in this episode, we are talking to a real live retailer. Yes, we've got another retailer on the show who's been doing organic social over the years for their brand. They have arguably had quite a lot of success, five-figure, six-figure months from organic activity, but they're currently in a stage of cutting it back and really changing how they're doing it. So we're kind of asking the question, should you do organic social media? We are kind of asking, how do you work out what works and what's worth doing? We're covering a whole load of different angles in here. We're going to be talking a bit about threads. We're going to be talking a lot about Twitter. We're going to be talking about Reddit. We are also going to be talking about AI and how that might affect social media. We're going to be talking a lot about how to create an approach to organic social that works for you and your business. Colin, I have interviewed him multiple times. He always brings the goods, always gets you and me thinking. So you're in for a treat. So do make sure you listen right to the end of the episode because at the end, you will hear his quick fire ish insider tips on organic social. And I will also be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we can help you improve your organic social media even more. So stay tuned to the end. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then why not explore the latest technology on offer at e-commerce tech? We are going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in the tech space. To find out that and much more, head to keepopt.com forward slash tech. That's K-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash T-E-C-H. Keepopt.com forward slash tech to find all the best tools for your e-commerce store. In this episode, I'm chatting with e-commerce expert Colin McIntosh. Colin is the founder and CEO at seven-figure e-commerce brand Sheets and Giggles, historically a brand who have done a lot via organic social, but they've been cutting back of late. Hello, Colin. Hey, Chloe. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Great to be catching up with you again. And kind of cool that we've got to focus in on a marketing method rather than just going all over the place. Yeah, last time was very all over the place, I think, but that's... (laughs) It's fun, though. It's fun, but it's nice to be doing something a bit different. So thank you so much for being up for talking about all of this. Before we get into what you guys, your journey through organic social, tell us a bit about Sheets and Giggles for those who don't know about you. What do you do? What do you sell? Tell us more. Sure. Half of what we sell is behind me, but uh, we make bed sheets, mattresses, pillows, anything in the bedroom, really mattress protectors, uh, blankets, and we make them all instead of cotton or polyester, we make them out of eucalyptus lyocell, 
which is a renewable and sustainable fabric that's called cellulosic rayon. So it's a fabric made from cellulose, from plants, uh, in our case, eucalyptus, and it is extremely sustainable, 96% less water, uh, no insecticides, no pesticides, 30% less energy than cotton, no petrochemicals, no microplastics like with polyester, fully biodegradable. And even our mattress is almost completely plant-based or recycled material with recycled U.S. steel at its core, and then two layers of natural latex from rubber tree sap. Our pillow is eucalyptus lyocell exterior stuffed with Cape Hawk, which is a tree pod, and latex from rubber tree sap. So everything we do is, is very natural and sustainable, but it also gives it a quality that I think most people are looking for in their bedding, which is temperature regulation and that cooling bedding at night. And so our material is very naturally cooling and cool to the touch and moisture wicking and breathable and versus cotton will keep you several degrees cooler at night. Nice. Good explanation. So I could ask you a million and one questions off that, mainly about plants, um, but we're not here to talk about. We're here to talk about organic social media. So Tell us a bit about the Sheets and Giggles relationship with Organic Social, because it's something you've done a lot of over the years, isn't it? Yes, it's been varied. I mean, over the years, we have given it different love, different resources, different spending. And we've gone from everything from 10,000 impressions a month to I think our peak has been like in the tens of millions of impressions per month in terms of organic social media. That's posts that we've done, posts that others have done, influencers. We've, you know, we've done all sorts of different things, paid and unpaid. And it ebbs and flows. And right now it's indefinitely in an ebb. I've I've pulled away from a lot of social media because I just still remain unconvinced of its ROI for our particular category in terms of, you know, spending a lot of time on it. But now with some of these new AI tools and how quickly you're able to create content and post content might be worth diving back into since the resource allocation for fresh original content on social might not be as high as it's been in the past. I think that's the big thing, isn't it? With this and with SEO is everyone's like, it's a free marketing method. It's not a free marketing method. Not time. So much time, whether you're a founder, you're side hustling, or whether you're building a team in-house or externally for it. There's so much time that goes into this. And I think you have to factor that into any ROI decision. Otherwise, you're just kind of messing it up. But you said ebbs and flows of where you've decided to do more and decided to do less. Has that been that kind of gut feel, I'm not sure this is worth it? Or does it, is it a really hard and fast numbers piece like an advertising strategy might be? Where, how do you make the decision? It's a mix. I think the main thing for me when I, turn, when I decide to pull back, and we pulled back maybe six months ago, is we got we got like one video that got like, I don't know, a quarter of a million likes or something like that on TikTok and tons of comments and stuff. We got like three sales from it, right? It's frustrating when you get that type of engagement. And, you know, on Twitter, some months we've had eight or 10 million impressions. And we get, I would say Twitter actually is our best sales channel from an organic sales perspective, you know, in the five figures a month from sales on Twitter. But that organic flow from like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, it just isn't there. And there's certain reasons for that. I mean, like, for example, on Instagram, I, I don't know what that company does. I don't know what their developers do all day or what their engineers do all day. But, you know, you can't hyperlink in the comments, right? So like for six years that I've been running this company or five years since I launched it, every time somebody's like, where do I go to, to learn more? Like, how do I buy these or whatever? 
I'd say in the comments, like, go to sheetsgiggles.com. But they have to go into their browser and type it in. There's no way to click a hyperlink in the comments on Instagram. And I'm like, what are these people doing? Like, what? Like, like it's crazy. So it's very frustrating. It's such a mad anti-user experience hill to choose to die on. I mean, I know Instagram's super, super successful, but it's such a weird decision on their part to go, yeah, links. No, no, nobody on the internet wants to go anywhere. <laughs> Let's just not let you. I mean, look, I made, I made my first Instagram post on a road trip in 2013, and I, I was 23 years old. And these companies are such incredible examples of first mover advantage. I mean, Facebook does F all with their ad platform for advertisers, except for make it more complex, more convoluted, more obfuscated, worse UX, you know, more expensive. The amount of spam we get on organic and on paid posts, the amount of like bots that there are on these websites, the unintuitive UX of their business tools or their business manager app. The fact that they don't do things like have autocorrect or auto capitalize in some of their business management apps where they want you to manage your your post and your ad spend from very simple things that they could do to improve the business experience they don't. So for me, in terms of like your original question, I like to look at the numbers and the ROI and the time and the dollars we're spending on something. We had a full-time social media manager for three and a half years. Loved him, you know, remain close with him, but I just decided a little while ago that it just wasn't worth the continued, you know, full-time spend to have somebody create content. And, and the revenue hasn't suffered. Um, our profitability has only gone up as we've honed in on spending our time on higher ROI activities. It's just kind of a, an indictment of, I think we all want to spend our time on organic social because it's something that feels very natural. We all have an expertise in it from our personal lives, but I just don't particularly think it's it's very valuable for our category. for for lower price categories, for different industries, I think it probably can be very valuable. I see a lot of friends in real estate and other places do phenomenal things with organic social media. It's just a, a different category, different price point. I agree with all those kind of caveats you're kind of putting in there. But I think also it's it's one of those areas where we feel like we should be doing it and we should be investing in it. And then every so often you take a look at it and you're like, Actually, across these channels, I don't need to learn. How much, how much sales am I generating? Yeah. 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 You know, and is it worth the, the hours that you're putting in every week? I mean, you've only got, uh, if you're trying to be healthy with your life, 40 to 60 hours a week of, you know, productivity. I just don't see the, the good, a good use of time there. Now, for th things like sales announcements, to let your organic following know that you're doing something on your website or that you're doing an event or a park cleanup or you know, things that you need, like the actual physical engagement for, I still find it very useful for that. And then I also find it very useful for engaging the people that we're advertising to in an organic way on places like Reddit and Twitter. That's been very fun and very interesting. And I think built a lot of brand equity and goodwill over the years. And we should say that is not Facebook advertising. That is sponsoring podcasts with strong community followings who you can tap into on those platforms. And thus, as they call it, they call it activating your sponsorship by doing more than just going, here's some cash. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they call it. Uh, for me, I just, I just like talking to people. So, you know, like uh, for podcasts, Every podcast with a decent following, a decent enough following to advertise with, will probably have like a subreddit devoted to it where people can talk and, you know, talk about the show on a daily basis. 
you know, and, and the listenership really funnels down to like, there's like the hardcore users, right. Who like really love the show and love supporting the show. And so if you're a sponsor who's supporting their favorite show, that's a really high intent, high probability, high converting audience for you to engage with and create content for. So we really enjoy creating organic social content on platforms where there are communities that we know are familiar with us, whether it's, you know, Colorado Public Radio or a sports podcast that we sponsor, uh, the Lebetard Show, Greg Cody Show, Ryan George on YouTube has his own subreddit that we we love engaging with. And these are like just fun people that have fun audiences that that are, you know, targeted for our brand. And where to be clear, you're not necessarily talking about sheets and pillows and mattresses. No, usually talking about for the sports podcast that we sponsor, we talk about football, we talk about uh, inside jokes about the show. You know, we try to listen to the things that we sponsor. You know, I subscribe to every YouTuber that we sponsor. I watch all their new content. When it comes out, I get the notification bell. We'll leave comments from Sheets and Giggles on their new videos. Um, that's a wonderful way to engage people organically on YouTube is, you know, if somebody comes out with a new video and you leave an early comment and you're the brand that's sponsoring the video or your brand that sponsored them in the past. People love engaging with the company in that fun, really authentic way where it's like, wow, they're fans of the content, too. And, and we are like we you know, I, I usually reach out to people. The first message I always send them is, hey, I love your stuff and I would just love the support you know, what you're doing. And I always mean that. I, I never send that to anybody whose stuff I don't, I don't like. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, if you want to make the most of those sponsorships, you've got to like the content. Otherwise, it, it's, they're just going to see you posting in there and be like, oh God, it's the Sheets Man again. <laughs> it's the, yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, it's, the, it's the headphones brand again. Oh, it's the, it's the mobile application again. No, I mean, people like it when we, when we pop up as a sponsor. It's like, hey, it's Sheets and Giggles. Like, I know those guys and I make myself very available as a CEO. I run a lot of our organic social myself because the brand voice is the founder's voice is my voice. And, you know, we've, we've had a hard time giving that to people over the years. It's very hard to replicate. So with the way in which you've cut it back with this angle on time versus impact, would it be fair to say that most of what you do now is engaging on other people's stuff rather than create stuff of your own? Can it be put that simply? That's an interesting way to put it. We still we do create things that are tailored to those to those audiences and we put them in the places where they live. So we make video content for these audiences. We put it on YouTube and we we put, you know, the the SEO title is for the for the podcast and not even for sheets and giggles or anything like that. And, you know, we take screenshots and we put them on Reddit and the right the right subreddits for people and they see, you know, our brand attached to it and you know, people people love engaging with us organically. But no, you're you're right that like I think the best content that you can create is valuable and fun in and of itself and has very little to do with the company or the products. And those have always been our best performing things where, you know, we we did a promo for the Miami Heat playoff run where we were donating a portion of sales to the charity of the radio voice for the Miami Heat. And it was just, you know, every time the Heat won a basketball game, we'd put a code on Twitter, we'd put it on Reddit, and we'd say, you know, whatever their margin of victory was or whatever, we would do that discount on the website. And we got like over the course of a two-month playoff run or a one and a half-month playoff run, tens of thousands of dollars in sales. I mean, I think close to $100,000 in sales just from engaging with that one particular community on 
this donation drive that we were doing for this charity. And that's just, you know, a few tweets, a few Reddit posts, you know, one maybe one every two days when they play a game. That's a really good use of time. But you have to build that audience up over time, I think, by making sure they understand that you're not just trying to, you know, hawk your products and creating content for them is a good way to do that. So I love creating content for other people's shows. Yeah. More interesting than content for a bedsheets brand. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot more scope, isn't there, for new ideas? Much more, much more fun and interesting. Yeah, you want to you create content for NFL, you know, football Sunday, like way more fun and more interesting for people than like, you know, here's another video about how to put a fitted sheet on the bed, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah, and another video about how to put a fitted sheet on the bed. Totally agree. Okay, so we talked a bit about Reddit and the tie-ins with those those advertisements that you're putting out there. You've also done quite a lot on Twitter too, haven't you? Which has obviously been having some quite interesting times of late. So I guess, is it still worth, worth using? Uh, Twitter has always been one of the best for organic sales because you can hyperlink to very specific things. It's got great preview images. And it's a copy-heavy format, which has always been my forte has been copy and, and written content. And so I think Twitter's subset of users are people who also like copy and who also like written content. And it's nice because you can create written content in your mind on the fly. That's the entire point of a tweet is it's very quick and you know you don't have to give it a ton of time and a ton of effort, but it can still be very quippy and, and go very far. And then it's very easy uh, an intuitive interface to get to the website from there. We've always used Twitter organically. We've used it mostly to engage with our podcast uh, advertisers that we sponsor. They have very active Twitter user bases. We've gained a great following of about 10,000 people over there that are pretty hardcore sports fans that we enjoy uh, having a lot of fun with on, like I said, on football Sundays, during the NBA playoffs, during the World Series. So that's been great, but we've never done a lot of advertising on Twitter. So it's all organic there. And we've had months where, you know, I've gone viral, the company's gone viral. It's always a nasty experience when you go viral. You get a lot of a lot of comments that are just like, oh my God, these people need to go outside and touch grass. But yeah, it's it's a great it's a great platform for organic engagement, especially if you're a copy forward person. And I think you said earlier that in a good month where there may be the emotional rigmarole of going viral, but the sales can't have, have hit five figures for you, I think you said earlier. Oh, yeah. We've had many months where the sales have been on Twitter in the five figures. You know what? Actually, we've had one month where the sales from Twitter, just organic, has been in the six figures. And that was really cool. And that was like a, what would you call it, an activation that we did with one of our podcast sponsors where we shaved some guy's head live on air. I know it sounds really dumb. <laughs> um, and we used, uh, we used like a bed sheet for like the barber bib. No other bedsheet company can get away with this stuff, right? <laughs> and we shaved his head live on air, and we got over $100,000 in sales in a single day. And it was pretty pretty awesome to see from just, like, one tweet because the audience was so primed for that. That was really fun. And, you know, Twitter, I, I've got a lot of thoughts on how Elon, as a person, handles Twitter. He's obviously a flawed guy. I've worked for people that have similar vibes to his proclivities, and they're tough people to work for and tough people to uh, engage with. On the whole, I try to separate like the art from the artist, and I still think that Twitter is art in a lot of ways, and I really, I really enjoy going on there and and having fun with it. And I'm hoping that Threads eventually becomes like a viable competitor too. Though I also find it's hard to like split my focus between two effectively clones of 
of one another. So have you been playing around with threads for Sheets and Giggles as well? Or is that one you haven't done much with because the communities aren't already there? I've done a lot of personally with threads. I've built a little following over there already, a couple thousand people. The thing that I think is tough about threads is that a lot of the Instagram top brands and top content producers, in my opinion, they're not like extremely clever from like a written perspective, from a video perspective, a visual perspective. I think a lot of them are extremely talented and extremely clever. But from a written perspective, Instagram was never a written medium. So to then port over all the accounts to threads and have all these people who are not gifted or not experienced or not even they don't even enjoy that written medium of engagement and to put them into a a copy heavy environment i think has created a lot of content that for me that feels very like low effort stale and trite so that's one problem is like the engagement and the intensity of twitter is not on threads because it's a different it's a by definition different user base Mm -hmm. and then secondarily threads is and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, I guess the jury's still out. It's an inherently political platform. And Twitter has become political over the years. And it is, it is, you know, I think you use Twitter for three things, right? Like politics, finance, or sports, all three things that you can get angry about. <laughs> but threads, I think, is inherently political because it is a response to what people perceive as like the politicization and and the and the hostile takeover of Twitter. So you have this user base that is like really primed to be aggressive and like energetic, but in a very niche way. Like it's frustrating because I share a lot of these biases. So I'm not trying to dump on anyone, but I think that like a lot of people on threads have a very particular bias. They're on it because they want a Twitter that's not how they perceive it to be a little more right wing. And that creates a very niche user base that I don't know if it's going to keep going or grow or expand, but I think they have to give it a lot more love. Unfortunately, it's made by Facebook and Instagram who don't do any type of engineering. So everything on threads is like very bare bones and they haven't pushed anything new live and since they launched. Yeah, you have to wonder what they actually do. <laughs> what what do the people there do? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's something like, I, they have thousands of engineers on staff and it's like, and there's not one of them who's like, Hey, maybe we should like remove the bug where if you hit enter twice, it cre- it like separates your thread into a new a new thread. Or like, there's no one who uses their stuff. That's that. I think that's the core problem actually with, with engineering in a lot of companies is the engineers don't use the stuff, mm-hmm. and nor do the UX designers or like the PMs, and they're just like not users of it because they don't like it and they see it every day at work. Uh, and then because they they're not power users of it, they don't see any of the problems with it. And I don't know what they do all day yeah uh, agreed so we've talked about a lot of stuff in organic social there is there anything um we should also tell our audience before we head towards the insider tips round any key things about how an e-commerce brand should be approaching organic social or not approaching organic social you'd like to add in or have we covered it all there's two ways to do organic social that we've tried in my opinion there's trying to optimize for conversion when people visit your pages from your ads and they want to see, okay, this company's active, this company's posting things that are beautiful, this company is interesting. So you're really optimizing for conversion, like for validity, brand validity. And then there is optimizing for growth and impressions and discoverability. And that's creating content that can have reach. They're, They're not mutually exclusive, but they are often at odds because the content that 
maybe will reach the most people is maybe a little more flippant. It's a little more meme heavy. It's a little more comedy heavy. Whereas the stuff that converts is a little bit more visual heavy, a little bit more product focused in terms of when people visit the page. I've always enjoyed the second approach in terms of like more comedy, more reach, more discovery, uh, more memes. But, you know, I think that you have to choose which one you want your profile to be and really commit to it because it's hard to be both. And I, I see a lot of people either try to be both or don't know which one they want to be. But I think one of those two is a really good route to go. Excellent. So really appreciate that insight there. So thank you for all of that, Colin. It's been great picking your brains about what you've learned about organic social. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss out on Colin's insider tips on organic social media and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your businesses. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then why not explore the latest technology on offer at e-commerce tech? We are going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in the tech space. To find out that and much more, head to keepopt.com forward slash tech. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash T-E-C-H. Keepopt.com forward slash tech to find all the best tools for your e-commerce store. Okay, Colin, so far we've gone deep into organic social. Now you get to wow us with even more of your insider knowledge about the world of organic social media. So are you ready for these questions? I am ready. Okay, cool. Let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? If they want to give themselves the best chance of success on organic social, it's to deeply understand the user that they're engaging on each platform and why people go to the different platforms. So, you know, people on Twitter go there to be angry. People on uh, Instagram go to be seen or to see. People on TikTok go to be entertained. People on YouTube often go to be educated and, and also entertained. People on Facebook, I don't know, but <laughs> they go there to do something, uh, I guess, engage with bots. And then, uh, you know, people on Reddit go there to feel smart and to feel informed, not necessarily be informed or be smart, but to feel informed and feel smart. And so there's these feelings that you get as a, for me as a millennial using these platforms where you can, if you're an empathetic person, if you can put yourself in other people's shoes, if you are a people person, an extrovert, if you're not, maybe work with someone or hire someone or a co-founder who, who is, who really understands the human experience on these platforms because there is a particular reason why everyone is on the platform they're on at the given moment in time they're on the platform. It's all various forms of dopamine, right? And to also understand that dopamine cycle in the brain and how to hit that is also important and very manipulative and scientific and scary in terms of how good we're getting at it. Excellent advice. Thank you. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance? Right now, I'm really leaning into AI with a lot of different facets of the business. We've leaned into AI for our customer care, for our website chatbot, for some of our blog content and written content and email content. And I'm going to start extending that into social media with you know image creation, content creation, because I think that that's a really good way to leverage your time and create content. The trick is to not 
overproduce content or make like cheap bad content just because you have these AI tools. But I think that that's the next wave of like my next flow into social will be AI driven. Yeah, it's it's finding that fine line to get the content right without it taking even more time than it did before to edit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the day I can just tell AI bot, you know, create this video for me, and it and it does it. There are tools out there that will pretty much do that for you now, which is um, mind boggling. If you have a good one, I'd, I'd be open to it, but I haven't found one that it that really is up to snuff for me yet. Yeah, I'm still at the reading about it stage, so I can't I can't recommend anything with any validity. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, right before we go off on an AI tangent if someone listening wants to learn more about organic social is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend so the best cheapest way to learn about social media is to become a user yourself of the platform so go on to reddit subscribe to different niche communities that you find interesting you know go on youtube find some people that you really like that create quality content in an arena that's interesting to you and then people who are also interested in that same arena will be great folks for you to advertise to because you'll know them very well. You'll know them very personally. You'll know them intimately in terms of what they're watching and why they're watching it and what they're getting out of it because of what you're also doing. So I I would say that's my best advice and resources yourself in terms of your own social media time. What are you consuming and how? And give that thought and then try to advertise to people who are like yourself or try to reach people who are like yourself. Cool. Um, I really love that. Uh, Finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? Back to AI. It's going to be an absolute freaking nightmare with AI on social media. Um, I just saw a report today that the Pentagon released that said that Releasing AI chatbots onto social media would be an excellent tool for the U.S. government to control the conversation online, you know, in a in a nationally defense-oriented way. I don't know what that means. I can imagine what it means, but it's not just the U.S. government, right? It's every government. It's not just every government. It's every company. It's not just every company. It's every polluter. It's not just every polluter. It's every profit seeker. Sheets and Giggles will be able to buy AI chatbots in the next six to 12 months that every single time somebody asked a question, hey, does anybody have any bedsheet recommendations? It replies right away and from an account that looks like a person. Maybe that account also posts a very realistic video about itself in bed talking about our bedsheets. The social landscape, I think, is about to become a dystopian nightmare where you're going to see these virtual, you, like Chloe, like you can do a virtual podcast. Like you don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. You can record your, you can record your likeness yeah. in, within the next six to 12 months. And you can train an AI on your past podcast in terms of your speaking cadence and what questions you like to ask. And then you can interview 800 people a day at once and put that content out to LinkedIn. Then it might sound interesting and good for us individually. But when every single business and content creator and and, com- and organization and government is doing that, it's going to make it unusable. But the sad part is, I think it will make it unusable for a certain subset of people that are slightly more discerning and slightly more particular about how they spend their time and where they want to spend their limited time on Earth. But for a lot of people that are dopamine addicted to these platforms, I think it's just going to create a more sad, hollow, lonely experience on their favorite things that they're unfortunately a little addicted to. 
I think that there's going to be like good and bad, but the bad, I, I really foresee the bad, at least in the short term, being quite tremendous when I when I imagine all that. And I even see on Twitter already, there are these videos that people post of AI models, modeling swimsuits, modeling clothing, and they, they talk about it like they know what they're talking about. It's an AI that, you know, is just as good as ChatGPT. And the videos are like so realistic. And they have hundreds of thousands of followers already, these AI bots. And I'm like, who would follow an AI bot? But that's what I used to say about influencers is what I used to say about, you know, all sorts of companies. I used to say, who would follow a company? Who wants to, cares what a company says? Who would follow an influencer? Who cares what some random person on the internet says? And I've been wrong at every turn. And so I'm not holding my breath in terms of who would ever follow an AI. I think lots of people will follow AIs. Lots. Yeah. I do wonder if it's going to be the point at which the legislation comes down, whether it's Europe that does it or whether it's the US that does it. But I, th I can see one, as it gets more and more dystopian, the governments have to surely, not necessarily have to, but they surely are going to. But They, sh they certainly should. I, I don't know if they will, and I don't know if they will intelligently or if you can do it intelligently, because this is kind of like a genie bottle situation. Mm-hmm where there's all there's going to be all sorts of ways and actors to get around any type of regulation and how do you catch someone what would the penalties be like you know how do you catch someone using a ton of vpns to you know run these type of bot attacks or bot networks we already can't do it with with very basic bots that are easy to spot i think it's going to be way harder when they're harder to spot and you know i go to dc and i lobby my senators for things. I was there. I've been there twice this year in the Senate building in D.C. Um, I met with my senators and I brought up AI both times. And I hate to say it, but both of my senators and, and my reps just have no idea what's coming. I mean, these people are lawyers and they're, they're financiers and they're, you know, and not to be ageist, but they're they're not, you know, totally in it with, with what's happening technologically. They just don't see what's coming. So, I don't know. Yeah, you just have to look to the uh, the Zuckerberg deposition for which was funny, but so depressing at the same time. But before we go Super depressing. before we uh, before we disappear fully into our own dystopian nightmares, Colin, it's very nearly the end of the show. So, let's let's get back on track and let's uh, or not back on track, who knows. Uh but could you please let the listeners know where they can find out more about you and Sheets and Giggles, please? So you can reach me on Twitter. So I'm uh, Colin D. McIntosh on Twitter and then Sheets Giggles everywhere. And then our website is sheetsgiggles.com. And uh, if anyone has any you know questions or wants to reach out, just say, hey, I'm very friendly. I answer a lot of DMs. And also, unless you're trying to sell me something, those are, they become impossible. That, that, see, that's, it's a great example of like this dystopian nightmare. I get about 400 emails a day from people trying to sell me stuff. I swear to God, just people trying to sell me stuff. And it creates this situation where it's just a fire hose. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to buy anything. So I just block all emails from people that, I've, that have never reached out to me before. And I miss important emails sometimes because of that. But it's the only way my inbox is usable. And so it's really funny that Gmail will let people do that to me, but they won't let me email everyone willy-nilly that has like bought my product or subscribed to my email list yeah anyway that's a different tangent but yeah just uh find me on social or linkedin i'm easy to find colin mcintosh sheets and giggles 
sheetsgirls.com. Well, Nick Connor, it's been brilliant catching up with you again. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat about organic social and I'm sure it will get the audience uh, thinking and maybe changing their strategy or feeling relaxed about their strategy. We shall see. But thank you so much for being here on the Keep Optimizing podcast. It's been great chatting with you. You're totally welcome. And uh, one last thing is I just want to say is uh, that's a great way to put it, Chloe, is like, just relax. It's okay. It's not real life. Social media is not real life. Even business in some way is very fictional. And I, and I think that more people need to have a slightly more relaxed approach to this part of life and this part of business. It's not that serious. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Chloe. Always an exciting chat when I get to catch up with Colin. We never know where it's going to go. Who knew we were going into dystopian nightmares in social media? But something you definitely need to consider. Loads of stuff in there. Do what you enjoy. If it feels too stressful, stop. I think that's another cost. We talked about the cost of time into your return on investment calculations, but the cost of stress comes in there too. There was kind of like some points he was mentioning about how they use the social media to overlap with other marketing activity, with those sponsorships, those other podcasts to make the whole thing come together and produce more impact. Really think about the time you're spending on it. Subplot to what he was talking about was, you know, they really focus in on a handful of channels. They do bits across other ones, but it's really about Reddit and Twitter for them because that's where the right community are. Going left field and being a bit creative, definitely some bits and pieces around that too. You can get the links to all those things we discussed, the transcript of the episode, our notes about it and more at keepoptimizing.com. You can also use our special direct episode short link. Just put keepopt.com forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you will go straight to the correct episode page on the website. When you add yourself to the website, why not add yourself? When you go to the website, sorry about that. Um, why not add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many things I share to help you improve your business? Because there's lots more than just this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to know more about Colin's approach to e-commerce and sheets and giggles, well, I've done two interviews with him over on our sister podcast, E-Commerce Master Plan. Number 410, we are talking about his switch from Facebook ads to podcast advertising. So if that's really intrigued you, go and have a listen to that one, 410 on E-Commerce Master Plan. And we did our first ever chat in episode 259. You can also find all our organic social media episodes by scrolling up your feed and looking for the words social media or use the short link keepopt.com forward slash social. Please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their e-commerce marketing and their levels of sanity. Uh, Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. Find the latest e-commerce tech at keepopt.com forward slash tech.